Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. Cold open is, of course, always with a guest. Yes. The fact that we have a guest. Yes, we have a guest on. Oh God. Yeah. No one. No what? one posts like having a guest on. No one boasts like <laughs> guest on. Uh huh. <laughs> Boy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, this can, is. Um, what I wish I knew more lyrics to the song. I'm a. F- I don't. I don't know. I don't know Beauty and the Beast very well. I do have to say. I do have to say. Um, mm-hmm. I know that they have at Disneyland. They have a guy who is Gaston in like the normal thing. Oh, I've and I've seen, seen footage of him. That yes. might be the most fun job, like the most fun one that you can do on Earth. Oh, yeah. Is, sure. is being like Gaston be. at Disneyland. Yeah. Like people challenge him to push up competitions and shit, and he has to win. He has to be like a big, yeah. swole, stupid guy. That's his job. That's his mm-hmm. job is to be Gaston and to... Do you think they challenge him to a spitting contest? That was a part of the song, right? I'm looking up the lyrics to get Gaston now, um, <laughs> just so I know what they are. That feels like it wouldn't be allowed at Disney for the for, for probably not. To spit everywhere. I've said I've said very specifically that if I ever and I don't know if I, this this is like not a thing that I'm on trajectory to ever do, but if I ever found myself an actor in like a, a piece of fiction, that no doubt. 150 percent being the villain is the best job there's no being main character being a hero is is boring being the -the over-the-top villain is the only way to go yeah i mean you can ask any tom dick or stanley they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on that was the lyric i just looked up for there we go guest on so this is an interesting way to do it to talk because scott yes hi and mia Mulder of mia Mulder's here I am here. Yeah. I've, I've been drafted into the podcast. Yeah. I am not by choice s- at all. It was <laughs> no, absolutely not. We kidnapped no. her. You um, forced me to. You've kidnapped me all the way to Canada. Yep. Forced me to sit down to record this podcast. Yeah, that's correct. Using I'm your cr- alien technology. That's yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm actually right now. I think currently surrounded by the people I do the most professional work with in sheer hours. Because mm. Scott and I podcast together and Mia and I uh, shoot the shit for two hours every other week. We discourse about Star Trek for two hours and sometimes answer questions about history. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like all my people and Mia, I've known you for many years now. Yeah. I'm turning out that's like, oh, it's been like five or six years. No, no, four or five years now. Something crazy uh, like that. Something like um, that. It's been a while. But I know that you're a fan of... 
a certain science fiction franchise slash recruitment ad for the Air Force known as Stargate. Oh, oh yes. Stargate SG-1 particularly, but all of them are wonderfully good. Now, there is one Stargate that also shares a name with a fictional city that a bunch of white supremacists claim is real. Have you heard of this one before? I have heard of this one. Is this about Atlantis? It is! Hi, everybody. We're talking about Atlantis. We're talking about Atlantis today. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's fun. See, I like it. I like Atlantis because I'm a big fan of Aquaman. So that's where my uh, interest comes in. I also know that there's a lot of people over the last couple of years who have openly admitted to just really having it down bad for the main characters of the animated Atlantis movie, like all of the main characters, I think. Oh, oh, yes. I mean, of course. Yeah, those are the Disney movies that were like immediately after the Renaissance that Mm -hmm. are like when I started getting a little bit too old for Disney movies, but not old enough for Disney movies again. So it's kind of like in the zone that I missed. Uh, And it's like it's like Treasure Planet and Atlantis. And apparently now now we're like coming back and being like, actually, these movies, despite the fact they had a reputation for being bad, secretly slap. Oh, they Atlantis is always slapped, to be fair. I feel like Atlantis slapped. It was written by, I believe I'm going off of memory here. It was written by Joss Whedon. So is there a scene where like the main guy character stumbles into the like a girl character's boobs? Because he does that a lot. In, in his movies. Is there a scene like that, really? Kind of. Like... Oh, my god, That kind of... That answers a lot of questions. That uh, th- that explains a lot about the, about the movie, actually. <laughs> there you go. Like, good bones. Vaguely sexist. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That's fair, fair enough. I'm looking forward to this, though, because I, I, I've had moments when I've done, like, deep dives into specifically, like, Atlantis conspiracy theories... Uh, mm-hmm. none of which involved involved aliens. So I'm very curious to see <laughs> what your research has come up with. Well, what's um, interesting is that this is um, that this is a podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens, a podcast yeah, where we discuss ancient astronaut theory, pseudo history, pseudo archaeology and UFO general crankery. Uh, my name is Tristan Johnson and I have looked into the abyss and the abyss has looked back and I decided to dedicate my life to exposing cranks on the Internet. And Tristan, this won't translate well for the audio because this is only an audio podcast, but Tristan does not even have his camera on today. And I think it's because he's seen so much that uh, even if we, even if myself and Mia gaze at Tristan through the camera, through a Zoom call, just the energy that Tristan has absorbed into his mind's eye will radiate into us and uh, yeah. we'll all be affected. And we'd rather just that stay with Tristan. Yeah, I failed now. far too many sanity checks. So now I've turned into like a Lovecraftian yeah. monster. That is uh, a terror to behold. My name is Scott Nicewander. I know uh, nothing uh, about, I mean, I know some stuff about Atlantis potentially, but I'm usually the part of the podcast that comes in and I'm just here to, uh, point out what things are and aren't written by Joss Whedon, I guess. Is yeah, Joss role. Whedon detector. Yeah. Someone needs to do it. But yeah, we also have, we also have in the, in the studio today, Mia Mulder uh, noted. Let me, let me get, let me see if I can get all of these oh, noted no. YouTuber of self-titled YouTube channel, Mia Mulder podcaster, host of uh, sister podcast and the fellow Nebula family member of uh, Leech Fest, a medical history mm-hmm. podcast. It's good podcast. 
And if you happen to be a citizen of the city of Stockholm, just also one of your local representatives. So somehow you are a <laughs> podcaster, YouTuber and local politician and no. just alive at doing all three of those at the same time. Yeah. I wanted to, you know how a lot of people on the internet were, had like a, a couple of discourses like a few years ago being like who, which type of. A content creator is like doing the most politically is is it video essayists or is it twitch streamers who like do political debates and i was like mm. fuck yeah i'm just gonna become a politician and i'll win any such debate if we ever have discord like that again it's me and Mulder. that's who's that's who's doing the most politically <laughs> she will at one point have like a literal intersection that has her to thank for it and everyone else will be like yeah i I said enough tactical slurs on Twitch to uh, convince people to not be fascist or whatever <laughs> in some vague number that can't be verified. But like Mia can just point to like an intersection and be like, I made this happen. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Yeah. Just sucks. I went into opposition, so I don't actually have any power. You see this intersection? I complained <laughs> that they tried to build it. I tried to get yeah, them not to build it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or you see this street? This is where an intersection should be. And it isn't. And I'm trying to make that happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm, the impact of of opposition politicians it's great but i'm here now to talk about atlantis yeah in some vague way uh, and that the only thing i remember is from like watching weird crank conspiracy theories on on youtube mm -hmm. so can i can i ask a question because i've never seen the stargate anything of, of mm. that franchise that is that is aliens right or is it not aliens yes that is aliens. it's aliens that is so, de definitely for sure aliens so for sure aliens so does the atlantis one is that also how does is that that atlantis is aliens so uh do you mind if i take this one like as the resident like stargate fanatic sure. yeah um so Stargate Atlantis is a spin-off show of the original Stargate SG-1 where they find like a different type of Stargate from the uh -huh. normal Stargate which works as like a teleportation device within our galaxy but they find a different kind of one that takes you to a different galaxy mm -hmm. to a city built by the people who made the original Stargates and it turns out that that is Atlantis the 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 city slash spaceship which is underwater oh. in another galaxy Atlantis mm -hmm. uh, that has that has super high technology and they send a bunch of people over there uh, and fight vampires it's space vampires it's wonderful yeah that's awesome it's a great show it's so fucking good and furthermore i will say to this day despite the fact that i have some pretty serious sci-fi bona fides my only stargate experience is still the movie that is still the only thing that i have seen the 1995 <laughs> yeah. film that not a lot of people remember it much like buffy the vampire slayer the movie is not mm. a thing that people think about when they think of that franchise they think of hey. the tv show also, Joss Whedon, obviously. I think yeah, we yeah, all knew yeah. that one. Oh, Good job, Scott. You're, you're, you're earning your pay here. I'm doing <laughs> it. <laughs> Joss Whedon detector. It's so fun, too, because the TV, the, the show itself, like, changes so much from the movie. It, the movie is basically irrelevant. It's, like, there to, like, okay, Stargate exists, whatever. Like, we a vague nebulous existence in the lore. We don't care. Now we have a whole new thing. We just liked the, the circle that you went through, and that was fun. They had the prop <laughs> left over from the movie, and they're like, let's make a show out of this prop. Lasted for 800 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... so 
Atlantis feels, I mean, we've made a lot of cultural references to Atlantis at this point. It feels like fertile ground for alien conspiracy theories at this point. What is the claim that we're going to be tackling today, Tristan? All right. I, I need to, I need to paint a picture because oh, people. Oh, let me get the sound effects. Okay. One second. We'll all paint you a picture here. Where's my, there it is. So as uh, we are cracking open a new episode of Ancient Aliens, I was thinking, hey, what is some content we could do? Because we got we're getting Mia on the show, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's, and I'm like, I need something that Mia will will be able to have fun with. And yeah. I open it up and we see ta- like water and then I see some ruins and I'm like, wait a minute. No, I know that oh, ruin. And ruins. then they show the Yonaguni monument. And I'm like, oh, I know that ruin. And then we get this long L cut of someone talking and I'm like, I know that voice. And then all of a sudden, Gramcock out of the void no. appears on the screen. No. No. <laughs> and then I realized that we are sitting in an episode of Ancient Aliens called Underwater Worlds. And this is Gramcock has returned to tell us that thousands upon thousands of years ago, if not um, tens of thousands of years ago, literally like in the Pleistocene, there was a hyper advanced civilization well, hold that on. that mm-hmm. that uh, between fighting the uh, the Finns and the Koreans were having a uh, had a super powerful civilization that fell for reasons, reasons not super given. And the evidence is, is sure. that there's all of these ruins that are far beneath the ocean. And so they could only have been built at times when the water levels were a lot lower, i.e. during the Pleistocene, the Ice Age. Mm-hmm. And. That's the same thing. And the best thing about ancient aliens is that they will never, ever look a grift up in the mouth and and do anything. So what they did was is they just let Graham Hancock push basically what we saw in the show Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix. Mm -hmm. But then they were like, then there's like obvious parts where Graham's not in the room where they're like, and what if Mm -hmm. the reason they had all this technology was aliens? (laughs) There it is. So wait, does Graham Hancock not? He doesn't believe the aliens thing. Not typically. That's not his usual go to. Although we did mention that he has at times been alien adjacent. He has uh, in one of his books where uh, they had not yet gotten a high resolution picture of the face of Mars, uh, use the face on Mars to say that that was evidence that humans came from Mars. Mm -hmm. But what? But that. (laughs) Yeah, that's. That's the stupidest way to interpret that. <laughs> the, the, the face on Mars is like built by intelligent beings. Oh, so that means human came humans came from Mars. There, yep. That's there's so many other batshit ideas that are even more plausible than that. You could just say that like, oh, we had once went to Mars or fuck that's stupid that's so stupid for the rest of this episode mia it might help you to to make sense of graham hancock's theories that a lot of his evidence for his claims are that they were that he received them while taking psychedelics um oh i'm not after my own heart yes so (laughs) so the machine elves apparently told him that humans came from mars or whatever do you think if aliens look at earth and they saw like the pyramids they'd be like triangles came from earth that's where they came from triangles invented triangles on earth who knows before then there were no triangles it was all spheres it was weird Mm -hmm. uh who's who's that guy who came up with trigonometry again pythagoras pythagoras is an alien yeah that makes sense we have Mm. talked about sacred geometry and pythagoras actually does play a weirdly large role in a lot of the uh crankery that we get so yeah um We're talking today about Atlantis and Atlantis is a very strange 
meta conspiracy. So I think what's going to happen is, is that we are starting today by giving you the the story of Atlantis and the general story of Atlantis crankery and a few things they point to early in the episode. But there's a lot of episode to get through. So I think that we are going to almost have like Atlantis themed episodes for like a little bit where we're going to have to go into a few things. Luckily, the first couple things have either already been covered in this podcast or have been covered on a very unhinged two hour step back video I made earlier this year. So excellent. We could chew on a little bit of that, but uh, Atlanta, I've, I've talked often on this show about how the Atlantis people almost act as like a parallel line of like pseudo archeological crankery aside the ancient aliens people. Like Mm -hmm. those are the two genders of pseudo history basically or of pseudo archeology. span (laughs) And they do cross over quite a bit. But like, if you open like the Wikipedia page for pseudo archeology, span it is a picture of Graham Hancock and a picture of Eric Von Daniken. So these are Mm. very much the two streams that do cross over from time to time, but the the two genders, the two genders of, of of pseudo archeology. span There might be a third one, which is just nationalists, but that's a different story altogether. I would argue for a fourth gender, which is just Russians. Because Russians have like their own weird flavor of like weirdly historical pseudo archaeology. That is true. That is true. <laughs> um, so the thing is that I don't even think I need to do a lot of introduction for Atlantis. Like I feel like it's such a culturally pervasive idea that if I were to say Atlantis to people, you would generally yeah. have an idea. Like big island, sure. island nation, uh, very powerful. That then, due to their hubris, was sunk into the sea by something and yes. that story has been used for disney movies for stargate spinoffs Comic but for also books. for other things yeah, yeah. like um mr uh mr seaman mr seaman sure that's his name <laughs> Arthur Seaman. Arthur um, Seaman. That was his. You know how all the comic book characters always have names that are like symbolic of their uh, of their powers. That was yep. his. Aquaman's uh, true identity is Arthur Seaman. <laughs> and, and and so like I feel like like it, it kind of goes. It's just like a big old deal that has been pervasive. Like a lot of weird stuff that came from the Greeks. I want to start by actually like doing a thing that maybe people don't do very often, which is. You know Atlantis through osmosis, but like, where does all this shit come from? And like all weird stuff that cranks and borderline white supremacists believe in. We start in Greece. Um, This is some Plato shit, isn't it? uh, It's very much Plato shit. So Atlantis is from literally writings by Plato, where he described that there was this powerful naval empire that that forsake the gods and sank into the Atlantic Ocean. Mm. They can be mostly found in two works, his dialogues, uh, Timaeus and Critias. You're the one who's going to Greece next week, so you should probably be able to pronounce this better than me. Um, I made a choice to to not learn a single thing to just be the most (laughs) obnoxious northern Scandinavian tourist. Two heroes. That's that's the that's the most you need to know, right? So much souvlaki. Dos cervezas, por favor. Oh, God. Okay. Um, Is that a Beetlejuice reference? That's good. In these dialogues, Plato uh, follows reports from a guy named Solon, who's an ancient Greek who went to Egypt around the years 590 to 580 BC and translated ancient Egyptian records about Atlantis because... As I've talked about in like the sheer fucking weird scale of uh, of timeline, by ancient Greek times, Egypt is considered ancient. <laughs> yeah, it's old. We've talked about this a lot. Egypt is old, old, old. Yeah. 
So they were saying that like Salon went to Egypt, this ancient society. Mm-hmm. This is like, you know, 2,500 years ago, it was ancient mm-hmm. to go and look at the records about Atlantis and finds that there's a story about a powerful confederation of kings on this huge island in the Atlantic Ocean, so big that it was larger than both Libya and Asia. Keep in mind, Greeks at this time had uh, a skewed concept on how big Asia was. They were talking about it's like bigger than the Middle East and Libya. Mm, And even then, like Libya is like two cities. (laughs) The Middle East to them is like four (laughs) cities (laughs) and a a big river. (laughs) (laughs) The known world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the thing is that it's used in a bigger part of Plato's general work, which is the thinking about what the theoretical best society would be. Plato's probably best known for his book, The Republic, which Mm -hmm. uh, we know of today because it was translated from Arabic. Thank you very much, Muslims. Um, White supremacists get fucked. But anyways, (laughs) uh, Plato's Republic is basically this imagination of a plutocratic society this like ideal republic where we make philosopher kings who are trained from birth to be the best leaders that they could possibly be made of virtue and warriordom a lot of a lot of very greek type stuff in the book uh, timaeus plato uses socratic questioning to explore different ideas using uh, atlantis as a theoretical construct tell me slave boy about the best society in atlantis yeah exactly that's a, that's a, that's a socratic dialogue isn't it tell me slave boy mm. yeah tell me person i own tell me how smart i am Oh, gosh. Um, But then what he does when he talks about his ideal society in this like perfect republic in Critias, he then goes on to talk about Atlantis and portrays it as basically the opposite of this society. Oh, bit of a twist. Really? So like Atlantis is like because they because they forsake the gods and they are a little bit like Sodom and Gomorrah situation almost. Mm. Not not too dissimilar, I would say. Yeah, uh, it's described as but in it, it's described in like very like lots of detail as an island mountainous in the north with a vast plain in the south and sank because of an earthquake and created a impassable mud shoal. Now, here's where we get to things that um, ancient aliens is instantly going, well, this is where, you know, it's aliens because we established yeah. in previous episodes. If you re- if you've done your homework, you'll know that these people are aliens because it was founded by Poseidon who fell for a mortal woman named Cleto. And we've mentioned in this show that in ancient aliens logic, that, uh, that all of what we think of as the pagan gods, all, Mm. all aliens or alien alien human hybrids. One of those two. They're aliens or they're, yeah, they're people whose parents slept with aliens and they're like, yeah, there's a lot of alien human, um, love going around for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So, Poseidon falls falls for a woman named Cleto and they have 10 sons because this is Greek mythology. So everyone just every time you there's a one to one ratio of having sex to getting pregnant. And there's also a one to one ratio of getting pregnant to having sons. Actually, in this case, one to two, because they have 10 sons born as five pairs of twins. (laughs) Oh, dang. Typical Greek bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, that is consistent. Holy cow. It's wild. That's you know, alien fertilization techniques. Yeah, mm. one human, one alien, baby. You get one of each. The eldest of these uh, 10 sons is Atlas, who becomes the king of the entire island in the ocean. So he becomes mm-hmm. king of the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, that feels like that would be... I mean, that feels like a a, a, a big job. It's, I, you know, it would feel like he's got like the weight of the world on his shoulders. Oh! See what, see what I'm doing there? 
see what I'm doing. Well is done. that the same Atlas? I would not be surprised because it is inconsistent, but inconsistent is the normal <laughs> way that we think of. Because if I remember, Atlas is a Titan. So see, I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah. heard the name. <laughs> And then he went on to become the grandfather of uh, Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. That's right. Gave us a big little shrug there. Yeah. In Critias, we also learned that 9,000 years ago, a war broke out between the Atlanteans and those beyond the Strait of Gibraltar, or the, um, the, the Pillars of Hercules, as they called it, or the Pillars of Heracles, which is the term for the Strait of Gibraltar. Now, this is where people think that this happened during the Ice Age, just because in, you know, 500 BC, they were saying this happened 9,000 years ago. So, okay. uh, which would have put it in the Pleistocene and not just him saying a fuck long time ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the equivalent of us saying like <laughs> 3,000 years BCE, the Fennu-Korean hyperspace war happened exactly Uh, according to the story the atlanteans conquered parts of libya and europe and enslaved their captives until of course they were overpowered by the mighty and powerful athenians known for being uh virtuous and good and powerful and on the side of the gods and even though they were overpowered so that they were never able to capture the athenians they were um the atlanteans were eventually defeated by earthquakes and floods uh, and apparently sunk in only a day so there so that that's a fun. oh wow fast yeah. if, if if you check uh in plato's writing he actually includes the chad wojak to symbolize the athenians and the soy wojak to that's symbolize true. the atlanteans yeah. um, <laughs> and then the opposite would happen during the peloponnesian war when the spartans put them <laughs> the closest thing to real life uh chad Wojak's, uh although that might that actually isn't super true i've learned that um a lot of our historical like uber warrior societies mm-hmm. are typically just due to the fact like the fact like here like like some uh good claims are like the ancient swedes you know the vikings were considered the most nasty and like uh like the most like ho- like uh brutal warriors in history yeah. the spartans the most militaristic organized fighting people of all time. Yeah. Um, turns out that these two places just have access to really good quality iron. And so their weapons just oh, don't okay. fall apart. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually cost effective to go to war. Yeah. If you have any iron or steel, like anywhere in Europe, like 80% of it is coming from like my backyard. Yeah. Mia's backyard. Go. Mia steel. <laughs> just like uh, what's it called? Uh, when you had that weird Maoist president a few years back and you all had to make steel in your backyards. Mia really took it to heart. Um, yeah, famous Maoist Palma. That's a fun <laughs> joke for like the three people of your audience who are Swedes. <laughs> Olaf Palma, yeah. famous Maoist, famous participator in the Cold War. So yeah, so 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 Atlantis collapses, but that is not oh. the end of the story. But um, no. it, I mean, it is the end of the story because that is what Plato wrote about it. Um, that's the end there of his is, story. That's the end of his story. But there's a lot of theories that he might not have been the originator of this story. There are some uh, other historians like Hellanicus of Lesbos who wrote about Atlantis uh, focusing on Atlas's daughters. And okay. also, some, uh, and some uh, people believe that Plato might have borrowed the story from Hellanicus or an earlier work about Atlantis that doesn't exist today. So there's even a lot of speculation that uh, Plato didn't invent Athens, he's just the probably the recording that survives to this day and is most well known. Mm. 
Interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, when it comes to Greek writing, uh, everything that didn't make its way to Iraq has basically been destroyed. So we don't really all we have that survives is whatever could be brought out by the Greeks to the House of Wisdom in Baghdad. And so not only do we not have surviving original texts, but everything that we have is translated from Arabic. So we also have to deal with like the translation and retranslation of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I when this this sort of thing happens a lot with um with like historical text though. Cause I remember when I went to Bible college, a thing that I have to remind people of every month or so. Um, that is also a thing that we learned about with like uh like the gospel text of just like it is possible that there is an original one, because some of them are very sim like the first three are very similar to each other. Um and then it's just like it's possible that they were all copied from a, a different resource that we don't have right now uh it just didn't survive to this day so it's called yeah. doing history yeah. trying to look at like half of a destroyed piece of paper and inferring an entire civilization from it it's a very hard job mm-hmm. and historians are hard-working people who i think not to toot my own horn because i don't actually do this work other smarter people do this work but it's it's pretty tough stuff yeah the two of us as like youtube historians being like yeah history is so hard um, yeah <laughs> i talk about scooby-doo sometimes yeah. so <laughs> i saw a twitter thread regarding this also that i quickly want to mention this like there's uh after the fall of the roman empire there's there's always been like this idea of various european kingdoms like forming out of the out of the carcass of, of rome uh and one of them which would have been in modern day belgium the only source for this having been existent at all is like from one source from a monk 500 years later. And mm. now people are like, might not ever have existed like at all. Oh. So like this whole like geopolitical entity that people have speculated about for centuries mm, might just be like, no, not not at all ex- have existed. Wow. Which uh, this is this entity being Belgium. Belgium actually never existed. <laughs> Does not exist. Has never existed. Um, that's right. There is like a weird thing when you have to do when you're dealing with European medieval history, which is that <clears throat> monks have this thing where they believe that if the historical record uh, dis- discredits the Bible or doesn't like go with canon, that obviously the historic records are wrong and they're allowed to correct it. So there are some like like uh, like there's I, I, I'm trying to I don't want to like say anything inaccurate, but I do recall for a time people believed that josephus who was like this roman historian wrote about uh like actual first-hand accounts of jesus's existence which turned out later was like a thing they just added in later because they're like well he was in the area at the time so he had to have seen it so some monk was just like i'm just gonna add that in to make sure yeah. that, uh, that doesn't jesus get made out. a cameo <laughs> yeah speaking of that i think i'm using that data i think i've figured out where atlantis could have been and that is oh. in belgium Atlantis like Belgium. like Belgium, Atlantis doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Would and, and because they're not Dutch, they like if because you know that Atlantis could not have been in the Netherlands because if Atlantis were sinking due to like waves or something like that, they would have just built dikes to like surround the city yeah. with walls and it would have been fine. Okay, so <laughs> let's see. Isn't it in the cartoon movie by Joss Whedon say that it was in Iceland or something? I think that's where it was. Have we looked there? Have we looked everywhere? I think, 
was I think it was like somewhere outside of Iceland, but they sort of traveled through Iceland, like through some like volcanic vents, I think. Because I think there was a joke at the beginning of the movie where they looked in Ireland first and it was like, no, we got the one letter wrong. It was Iceland, not Ireland. Oh, yes. You're Funny uh, you should right. say that. Um, we'll get into it a little bit later, but um, there is some people who believe that the writing about the ancient peoples wrote about the existence of uh, Atlantis. And it turned out what they were writing about was Ireland. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. They used to refer to this mythical land called Hyperborea, which which some like cranks have latched onto as like this fantastical land, but it's almost definitely them writing about the existence of Ireland. That's funny. <laughs> this perfect society has super advanced technology, uh, beer, and uh, <laughs> has, it's it's the perfect land to be in. Um, I mean, it's very pretty. It's just the people Ireland. are nice. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I would also uh, mythologize Ireland. It's, it's a living myth. Some Greek scholars have also uh, seen that there's a lot of similarities between the way that Plato writes about Atlantis and about another city in Sicily called Syracuse, which is a city that Plato had been to. And so it could be that a lot of his details about Atlantis were actually just like taken from his trip to Syracuse, i.e. like Italy. Uh, so also, mm. I guess Atlantis could be Italy, uh, could be Syracuse, the city in New York, obviously. Um, <laughs> Mamma Mia. Yeah, you're the you're the progenitor of Mamma Mia's law, which is an official That's rule true. on this show that we're allowed to make fun of any culture that had colonization. Yeah, do you That's know about right. this? Do you know that we named a law after you? Yeah, I've heard about this. <laughs> if you invented fascism or did colonization, your culture can always be made fun of. Yeah. That's Mamma Mia's law. <laughs> Mamma Mia's law, everybody. It's great. Cook at the meatball. <laughs> exactly it, it, two, it's two rules that and that anti-italian racism doesn't exist that was the two two things um, there's a there uh, also in plato's writing it, it does also say i they cook at the meatball he does say that <laughs> oh my goodness thousands of years before the meatball was was plato a time traveler that's what he meant by like having advanced technology they had pasta <laughs> They had pasta. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got stuff. We got it. Go. I know. We're um, getting distracted. Yeah, I'm sorry. Long. This is an oops all ADHD edition of this podcast again. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, by the time we come to the next episode, I actually will be on ADHD medication. So maybe it'll be a bit Woo! better. Anyways. Wonderful. Me too. Yeah. If, if, if I'm ever invited back on, the same will be the case for me. We'll just be like all oh, medicated, fantastic. all medicated, I'm currently podcast. medicated. I don't think it's I I mean, I'm definitely focused, but I uh, also <laughs> will take us off track immediately if I want to. Your, your job is to be entertaining. So it works. Um, right. So the existence of Atlantis after Plato popularized, it has been brought up multiple times just as like either a metaphor or a myth or people speculating whether or not it was real. The question about whether Atlantis was real is as old as people knowing about it. The first person to talk about it was Aristotle, who was a student of Plato. And mm. Aristotle wrote about Atlantis as being a philosophical myth, like a metaphor for the bad place. Uh, Krantor, who's another philosopher, tried to think of it as real history. But of course, because uh, of the world we live in, we don't know exactly how Krantor made this argument because all of Krantor's writings don't exist. And everything that we do know about Krantor's writings come from Proclus, who is a Neoplatonist who wrote about him hundreds of years later. Mm, complicated. But have some stuff about, oh, like there's a part and I, I don't know if I got into it. I did not get into it because it was like about how there was this long bit of writing 
about whether or not Krantor believed in Atlantis and had evidence that Atlantis existed, that all hinged on, and I'm sorry to have to say this word in polite company, a pronoun. Because in part of the writing, Krantor uses the word he in referring to somebody and doesn't refer to who that is. And so they're like, is that Plato? Is that somebody else? (laughs) Who is this? Oh, goodness. Um, And that led to like a ton of debate. The woke left has infiltrated even this, even this, even, even ancient even Atlantis. Another historian by the name of Ammianus Marcellinius. So, you know, that we're getting we're getting to, to real boppity boopy time here uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, reported that some of the Druids uh, believe that, by the way, the Druids, for anyone who doesn't know, are sort of like the wise shaman class of ancient Gallic and Celtic people. So they're basically the people that. Uh, people like with names like Ammianus, Marcellinius were uh, destroying and killing. Um, but some of the historians would go and talk to the Druids and be like, hey, tell me about your people so I can go back and say that you do human sacrifice and are evil like bloodthirsty monsters so that I can further Roman propaganda. But they also sometimes wrote things that like the Druids believe that the Gauls actually have a uh, have their origins in distant islands. And this is where things like Hyperborea come from, where they're like in this, that the Druids claim that they came from some mystical mm. land that um, that could be Atlantis. And they're like, also could be Ireland. Could be Ireland. <laughs> One in the same, maybe, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, because, as we know, that uh, Christianity is a sort of syncretic religion with with like a lot of Roman religion and a lot of other faiths at the time, other philosophers in early Christianity, but also some Jewish philosophers have uh, written about Atlantis. Probably the most famous being Philo, who mentioned its destruction by an earthquake in one of his works and basically try to talk about it as like an example of kind of like a Sodom and Gomorrah type story. Mm. And, and again, there were also splits on whether or not Christian writers believed it existed. There's some beliefs, some like uh, like Terulian or uh, Arnobius believed in Atlantis. But Anorbius okay. also believed that it had gone to ruin because it was run by pagans. You know, gotcha. Sure. Yeah, everyone's, yeah, yeah, everyone's, if they believe in it, they're all, they all have like their own ideas for why it was sunk. And, of course. And, yeah. It's like they did the thing that I'm against, which is why it's gone now. Yeah. But it makes so little sense to just be like, oh, it fell because it was run by pagans. But so was like almost every single city at the time. <laughs> stop asking completely this one was questions. super pagans okay they were the, the most the, pagan yeah jesus does not pagan. know of atlantis Mm-mm. is true uh but another another case another time when atlantis came up was in the work of a guy named cosmas indicopleus who used atlantis and proof that atlantis existed in the sixth century to overall boost his theory that the world was flat um, which was uh, going against mm. common perceptions at the time of the world was indeed around. And he was like, no, it's actually flat and use Atlantis yeah. as part of his argument. Yeah. Atlantis exists. Therefore, flat Earth. The world's flat. Yeah. Could you explain? Is there any more detail on how those two theories work together? Did did was the idea that Atlantis fell off of, of the edge or was it literally? That's, yeah, that's why we can't find it. That's why it we can't off. find it. It's gone. It's gone. It fell off. Ages ago. We can't uh, find Scott, it. Scott, I love you. Yeah. I am not learning middle <laughs> Greek in order to be able to answer this question. Fair enough. Because this is like enough. a Byzantine uh, merchant who wrote about this. If any listener knows, <laughs> please let me know. <laughs> I'll have you know. Like, this is like Donald, this is the, like the Donald Trump of his age. He's yeah. like a businessman. 
Mm-hmm. I'm telling Not- you, the Earth is flat. I know. I've been to Atlantis. They've told me. Exactly. (laughs) I have the best earthquakes. (laughs) But all of the Christian scholars did agree that uh, Plato and Aristotle uh, writing about Atlantis were just borrowing their ideas from Moses. So uh, they were like, obviously, these pagans didn't know what they were talking about. They just borrowed it from Moses. So like like, that's like kind of like Middle Ages stuff. But once you get into like more modern era type stuff, you still have Atlantis come up from time to time because relationships with the Greece and Plato and such are a big part of understanding the early modern world. Obviously, as you noticed, all of the Christian writers were all Greek because they were the only ones who were actually interfacing with this kind of philosophy because sure. in the Middle Ages, a lot of Latinate theologians thought that reading Greek philosophy was heresy and that's why they destroyed most of it. Uh, and that's why the only people who saved it were the Muslims. Mm. Fun fact. Um, yeah. that I've now brought up three times. <laughs> this they, Greek smut. Yeah. yeah. Did they think that everyone was borrowing ideas from Moses? Because like Mo- Moses could be the one that could, he could part the sea and then find Atlantis for us. Maybe he knows where it is. He was a plus three staff of water bending to. Yeah. Uh, but like, does he do that like on the regular Moses or is that just like a one-time thing he did? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was like a one-time deal. <laughs> he could do it again. He visits regularly. That would be it. He's like, I'm be... hungry. I'm going to go park the sea to get some fish. Yeah. I just imagine him crossing the sea and being like, oh shit, I left my wall on the other side of the Red Sorry. Sea and he parts it again to cross over and grab oh. his stuff. So like stories about like Atlantis was always sort of, you know, minor stuff. Wasn't really a big deal until... Mm-hmm. until a person who tried to make the argument the earth is not round, but indeed pear-shaped. Okay. Oh, we're talking about the bad man. Yes, uh, a man who believed in a pear-shaped earth managed to con the uh, the emperor of Spain into giving him a lot of money to get on caravels and cross the Atlantic and find uh, India. But instead, he found and was responsible for the beginning of the destruction of what we call the Americas. Um <laughs> This is Christopher Columbus. I've heard of so, this person. Very soon after the discovery in the way that like the meteor discovered the dinosaurs of the new world, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. the Europeans found this whole new continent. And when they were talking about like, oh, wow, this is like this lost continent. Is there anything in our writings that might like give us an idea about this? And they were like, oh, possibly when they were talking about Atlantis, they were talking about the Americas. Oh, um, I could like be in Atlantis right now. Mm-hmm. And they did say it was bigger than Libya and Asia and America. Both of the Americas are pretty big. It's pretty yeah, not as big. big as not as big as all of Asia, but yeah, pretty damn big. Pretty big. The one case I found is from the 17th century of like trying to make this example, which is a guy named Francisco Lopez de Gomara, who tried to say that Plato was referring to America. Other people also wrote about it. Francis Bacon, Alexander von Humboldt, Janus uh-huh. Johannes Bercherod basically tried to make this argument that Plato was literally true. So he was writing exactly about Atlantis, it. but it was the Americas. Uh, Atlantis was all around us this whole time. Yeah. And here's the part, and this will sound very familiar to a lot of people in uh, listeners to this podcast and people who deal with Craigism, is that their evidence that they typically pointed to happened to be in Mexico because they went to the Yucatan Peninsula, saw the ruins of the Maya civilization and were like, well, Uh the Mayan people here who are unwhite could not possibly have built all of these massive, like these pyramids and this like sophisticated civilization. So an ancient people who were definitely white must have built all of this. 
And so uh, different scholars, one example being Charles-Étienne Brasseur de Bourbourg, and other people like the most French name ever, Mm -hmm. and uh, people like Edward Edward Herbert Thompson and Augustus Le Ponyon started to build what was called this idea of Mayanism, which was that the Atlantis and the Maya culture were connected. Uh, Brasseur de Bourbourg was... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) De Bourbourg was like a a Maya translator and wrote this detailed history of Mesoamerica um, and tried to say that the Maya were descended from the Atlanteans, uh, who were the Toltecs, Mm -hmm. which is another Mesoamerican civilization, namely one that does not speak Maya. They're a Nahua-speaking civilization from like further north. But okay, he lost his credibility, though, by saying this. I mean, obviously. Yeah. You should have. This yeah. reminds me, I mean, maybe you'll deal with this a bit later, because like I, I remember in my own in my own crankery, uh, reading about how Tenochtitlan was also a contender for Atlantis. So not necessarily mm. on the island, but because Tenochtitlan also had like the 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 advanced waterway system mm-hmm. with like the rings that they often talk about, like with mm-hmm. mountains in the north and mm-hmm. plains in the south. Like that's that's Mexico City, baby. So, yeah, so uh, I, I will say yeah. that people, uh, as we see here with this Toltec connection, a lot of Europeans weren't, especially Europeans writing about the history of that region, were not super interested in the fact that these were two extremely different linguistic groups with completely <laughs> different cultures. So Tenochtitlan or the Maya were all just sort of Mayans to them for a lot mm-hmm. of it. So, like, there's... like you, you know, those mm-hmm. people, yeah, generic American indigenous people, yeah, yeah, and of course, none of them could have been able to actually build it, despite the fact that like Hernando Cortez literally met the Aztecs who were literally living in the city that they had built. But okay, let's whatever, nope. whatever, guys. This is this is Atlanteans. No. We're, we're hitting levels of racism that we do not even conceive of mm-hmm. today. We're inventing new kinds. <laughs> inventing new kinds of racism is basically the European pastime. So Legitimately, yes. We're very good at it. <laughs> Another famous work uh, trying to make this connection was a w- wonderful story about, I just mentioned about a guy named Augustus Le Pognon. So here's, hey, here's some great news. This is one of the people who did the earliest archaeological works on Maya ruins. Hmm. And in his interpretations of it, started making stories that determine that not only are these definitely Atlanteans, but also this shows evidence that him and his wife are actually descendants of the Egyptian gods. Uh-huh. And uh, and also that they are uh, biologically linked to another person named Heinrich Schliemann, okay. who is known for being the, quote, discoverer of Troy. Now, everybody who knows anything about pseudo-archaeology or the history of uh, a certain political movement that took hold in Germany in the 1930s and 40s mm-hmm, will mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. when you think about Heinrich Schliemann, you're like... Oh, we're going this way. Okay. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> didn't didn't they also have like? Because I remember I remember a vague story of like an archaeologist who thought that his wife was like a descendant and like reincarnation of some ancient god. Are they also connected to like the idea of like the big fake continent in the middle of the Pacific, or is that some is, is that a different weird crank island conspiracy theory? This is new to me. Oh boy. I mean, this guy focused on Mexico and Peru and stuff like mm. that. So who knows? But I mean, I think that pseudo archaeologists definitely borrow a lot from each other and their stories not being mutual or their stories being mutually inconsistent has never really been super important. How did they like incorporate themselves into it, though? That's not really something that like archaeologists <laughs> do is write themselves into the narrative. Yeah. Self-insert fan fiction is the absolute worst. 
<laughs> Especially in archaeology. That's so weird. That's so weird. You know, I have this thing where when I'm making my YouTube videos and I have a subject, I like jokingly ask myself, how can I make this about me? And that's a joke. And it's mostly just me trying to find like the human element of whatever I'm talking about. But they are literally being like, I'm doing archaeology. How can I make this all about me? <laughs> Laponion had this argument that the Maya civilization was older than Egypt. And... Mm -hmm. um, that he became marginalized when people started in the 1880s, when people started to really come to the conclusion that, you know, they started doing real archaeology and realized that maybe that's not the case. But then he also started saying some other gems like that. They, he found Freemasonry symbols in ancient Mayan text. Fuck yeah. Now we're talking. So course, now we're, now yeah. we're talking. Awesome. And then loop it all. And then in. here's the part. Um, I love this. I just went to his Wikipedia page to take a quick look. He and Alice constructed an imaginary and with like, quote unquote, history with the Maya sites in the Yucatan being the cradle of civilization with civilization then traveling east first to Atlantis and then later to ancient Egypt. The Laponians uh, named mm. kings and queens of these dynasties and said that various artworks or portrayals of such ancient royalty, such as the famous Chalk Mool, which is like a famous statue in uh in, in the yucatan mm -hmm. and the laponians detailed like, a fanciful history of queen mu and prince ko known as chakmul with the prince's code death resulting in the erection of monuments in his honor so basically they just made up a bunch of shit i love that that's awesome. that's like peak 1800s for science there right there yeah and that all comes up to the big one the one that really put atlantis on the map which was ignatius donnelly's 1882 book atlantis the antediluvian world which really put like was atlantis a real place is all of this crankery true on the map ignatius yeah. donnelly wrote in his book that all ancient civilizations this is the this is basically the forefront of all modern like atlantis pseudo history people all ancient civilizations especially the non-white ones descended from a technologically advanced atlantis yep. That also was linked with the biblical Garden of Eden. Of course. And that Atlantis was then wiped out by the Great Flood. You got to just take everything and make it make sense. Yeah. All right. And now this has basically been the general push forward for a lot of spiritualists or pseudo historians or pseudo archaeologists about like, here's the explanation for how non-white people built moved big rock. White people taught them how to do it or white people did it before them. And yeah. then they just lived on it. That kind of thing. And then white people were too good and too cool and they had to be wiped off. They exactly. Wiped yeah. This book got picked up by another wonderful person, uh, uh, a real um, who probably needs an episode in her own right. A real girl boss of oh. pseudo history and weird esotericism. A wonderful Russian woman by the name of Elena Blavatsky, who founded something called the Theosophy Society and basically made a weird religion called Theosophy or uh, Theosophism or whatever you want to call it. All right. Um, so we're, we're moving, great. we're moving away from pseudo history and we're doing pseudo herstory, right? Is that yeah. what we're doing? Mm -hmm. Let's go. I would do an, uh, an Elena Blavatsky episode, but I also remember that there is a behind the bastards two-parter and I'm already called less good Robert Evans. I don't think I should be doing like exactly his thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people um, want it, we'll do it. Yeah. But Theosophy is basically this religion that was started in the late 19th century, founded by Elena Blavatsky, who was this Russian immigrant, and basically believed that she had gotten a bunch of uh, hidden truths about the world from a group of uh, just vaguely Eastern 
mystics who have the secret of how the world works that she is the only person who got to talk to them and has all the facts. Yeah, that's called magic mushrooms. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. But her work is basically behind what, it, what modern day would be like modern occultism or Western esotericism. And uh, a lot of older philosophies were roped into it, like different Hindu, like Hinduism, Buddhism, but also things like Neoplatonism, which wrote about uh, Atlantis. And because she was basically just, you know, chewing up anything that she could get her hands on, she also yeah. used this the uh, in her book, The Secret Doctrine in 1888, talked about Ignatius Donnelly's theories in her book and stated that the Atlanteans hit their height between 1 million and 900,000 years ago. Uh, Okay. Wow. Sure. That's pretty clean. Yeah. Yeah. But they destroyed themselves because they misused their psychic powers. Oh, they had powers Uh. now. All right. Which, by the way, I should say like Blavatsky, but especially Ignatius Donnelly are like the huge, are Graham Cox like major inspirations. And Graham Cock has said that people moved big rock in the past using psychic using powers. Using their psychic so, powers, yes. That they achieved by doing psychedelics. Um, uh, you the were, magic mushrooms. You were not yeah. far off. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you. Like, that's incredible. I mm-hmm. haven't had that effect on myself, though. Um, I haven't developed <laughs> You ever so high yet. you build a civilization? <laughs> um <laughs> I'm in politics, maybe shit. <laughs> no, but that's so why that's 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 wild. Also, but I'm just I I'm I still kind of hung up on the whole. They reached their height mm-hmm. between a million years ago yeah. and nine hundred thousand years ago. Yeah. Yes. What the fuck was happening on Earth a million years ago? Humans didn't exist. <laughs> Did yeah. Like, <laughs> we were not here. The precursors to humans also not existing yet, right? Like we're a few steps removed. <laughs> Like one million years ago, I think you're getting close to like something that would become human soon. Mm-hmm. But like a million years ago, let me just let me just try to like uh, get an idea of a million years ago. 1.9 million years ago was the evolution of Homo erectus. Okay. To give you kind of like a, a timeline on this. All, All right. right. So the Homo erectus, erectus civil, civilization was at this. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're and we were like in the mid Pleistocene. So it's there crazy was crazy how Plato knew this. Yeah. How, let's That's just say so that cool. very few things actually survive from this period. This is when we have like the stone tool culture and like mm-hmm. like we can't refer to things as any more than like the shard culture because we that's all we have like a shard of pottery and then we're like well we knew something was here mm. we refer to times ten thousand years ago as being like the the, mm. the like stone age so a million years ago is like that times a hundred like, so like fragments of bone like yeah. levels of you know exactly and this is like yeah the very beginning of like humans something like humans coming into existence this got picked up by other theosophists people like rudolf steiner or annie besson mm-hmm. uh, and they wrote about the how a lot of their origins of their practices come from atlantis so that's that's a, that's that's a big one and a lot of people wrote like uh one example is egon Friedel wrote a 1940 book that looks at the history of the ancient world and begins with atlantis of course of course but the thing is but we don't what we're, what we're missing here is that Plato wrote about Atlantis as a threat. They were the bad guys of the story. But now mm. they're considered a cultural hero. Yeah, they're cool. Here's where things were we're going to get where, of course, we're going to get here. And Mia, luckily, you're here to help me with this. Yep. 
Contrary to Pleo's view of the Atlanteans as a military threat, Blavatsky saw them as cultural heroes and the fourth step in her concept of racial evolution. Oh, uh, no. Because the Atlantans, Atlanteans were the fourth root race, which were succeeded by the fifth, the Aryan race, Uh-oh. which she identified with the modern human race. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Blavatsky was influenced oh. by an 18th century astronomer named Jean-Sylvain Bailey, who redefined the myth of Hyperborea in Atlantis and represented the Atlanteans as olive-skinned ancestors of modern Native Americans, Mongolians, and Malayans. So trying to claim that all of those civilizations were just ancient white people. In the early 1900s, German occultists, uh, one example being Guido von Liest, reimagined the Atlanteans as the superior Nordic race, Mm -hmm. and they gave birth Mm -hmm. to organizations like the Thule Society, which is one of the primary influences of the National Socialist German Workers' Party. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've heard of the Thule Society. That's Jesus Christ. This got bad real quick. (laughs) The Nordic master race of Atlantis. Jesus. And so um, this concept of Atlantis got picked up by some interesting people with names like Alfred Rosenberg and Heinrich Himmler, Uh who got... (laughs) Um, and oh, Himmler was into all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, like, and this was very much his shit. They spent like money trying to send German archaeologists to go find Atlantis for this shit. So it's like, oh, should have spent more money. <laughs> should have kept sending them. Yeah, and and so here's what happens. As as we know, is that this we've covered in this podcast a couple times when the Atlantean or when this like when the Nazi government fell. Mm-hmm. A lot of these more weird esoteric Nazi ideas still persisted and esoteric Nazism moved in a lot of strange directions. One of the things that it did is that their ideas started to get picked up by the New Age movement and people don't really get this across. But the New Age and like sort of spiritualist movement in the Western world has borrowed a lot from like esoteric Nazism. And this is yep. why mm-hmm. it's not too surprising. You see things like instagram spiritual gurus falling for QAnon and that kind of stuff like there is a a thread to like spiritualism and psychics and like and like ufo people and this connection to these ideas that were promoted by the not even like you just call everybody nazis like no like heinrich himmler (laughs) yeah yeah like the new age movement and like crystals and the the, like spiritualism generally Mm -hmm. it sounds super like nice and wholesome but there are hitler particles all over that like (laughs) hitler Hitler particles hitler particles hitler rays coming off of that like crazy like that's um i i didn't know about the fact that like they had that strong connections though but when i made my video on transvestigation for example which is like a very uh like this idea that like the the world is run by secret uh transgender jews and that everyone you see in media and every celebrity is a secret trans person a lot of those people come from the new age movement and a lot of them are also like have questions on on the jews and like want to discuss the international (laughs) jewish question and it's like it's very difficult because i've always imagined sort of like people who like crystals and hippie bullshit like that being like very against that but the overlap is so significant it's actually quite scary i think there are like a lot of innocent like i don't i don't think that like every person who's into spiritualist stuff is like a secret nazi but what it is is that 
they they buy into these ideas and that a lot of it reflects mm-hmm. like fascist thinking or fascist talking points. And they don't like to many people, they don't think that deep about it. They don't go into the history of it. They're just like, oh, this is like cool stuff to find spiritual meaning in a world where community has broken down and we're all autonomous agents alienated from our labor and have no connection to anything. Mm-hmm. But so this is the way they find some sort of meaning in their life. Sure. Cool, whatever, go with the gods. But yeah, it does still like in its influencer world and in like uh, the deeper stuff, you do find that it has its connection to this uh, this fascist stuff. And it also means that by people buying into it, even in like a casual fashion, that they are you're sort of like one level down on the radicalization funnel towards this kind of thing. They're already predisposed to buy into right. these ideas. Uh, and that's why like the, the show starts with like, hey, did you see this place where there's like cracked stone and you see like this line of rocks that all have cracks in them and they they're at a semi-regular interval? Well, that's a road, baby. That can't be a, a really well-known geological phenomenon that we have seen multiple times in multiple places. It has to be. And they mm. call it the Bimini Road. Or another famous one is they find a bunch of kind of cracked stone with because what happens is, is like if you have multiple layers of stone that are different densities but they bend because of like, you know, tectonics mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They'll crack in an uneven way. And you'll, like one layer will be cracked off and another one will not, or will add a different place because of different, like, you know, hardness of stones. Sure. And it'll look like, like it's breaking in like a very regular or almost man-made pattern. Uh, another example that was brought up ah, in the I first see. five minutes of this was uh, the other place where we saw this, which was in uh, Yonaguni, which is near the Ryukyu Islands right. in Japan, which we did an entire episode about where they claim that, uh, there's these underwater ruins that are actually just natural rock formations. And we didn't. They're just rocks. Yeah. yeah. If you look, it's like, you know, when you look at it from one very specific angle, it can like one of them looks like a profile of a of a human face. But then from any other angle, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It just looks like a rock. Um, but if, but you know, yeah. you take one picture from one specific angle, it looks pretty convincing. Yeah, if you really want to deep dive on this, cause I know that we're getting a bit over time. If you want to deep dive on a lot of the claims that surround Atlantis, I'd recommend you listen to our Yonaguni episode. And if you want to, I did a two hour video that nearly killed me as a human, where I responded to basically everything in the Netflix documentary that Graham Hancock uh, was responsible for mm-hmm. that a lot of this episode is basically like a pre, uh, the same kinds of arguments uh, and on my YouTube channel. It's a response to ancient apocalypse. It's 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 a good one to 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 kind of get your on. But to get to to put the thing to to bed, most scholars today agree that Atlantis is fictional. There is debate over whether or not Plato's story was inspired by different things. People suggest that maybe there were Egyptian mm-hmm. records of natural disasters, like things like this or things like the sea people and the sort of histories that led to that that surrounded the Bronze Age collapse might have been like spread into myth and turned into something like Atlantis. Yeah, because sure. there are also records of like there are records of like multiple coastal cities around like the Greek world at the time who did sort of fall into the ocean due to earthquakes. Like that is not like an unheard of phenomenon at the time. Earthquakes are not an unheard of thing in like, you know, Asia Minor slash Greece. Yeah. So it's the idea of earthquakes are a big part of their like, you know, background. And like in the 1960s, we started to get a better idea of continental drift. And we learned very quickly that play tectonics really uh, aren't conducive to thinking that a, uh, a city can, or a, a, a continent can collapse into the ocean overnight. 
And mm. many people who study Plato pretty much believe that Atlantis was or Plato used Atlantis as a fictional device to think about the concept of government and power, because if you know Plato, that's what he was primarily interested in. That's the kind of stuff he wrote about was like, what is the ideal society? How should government work? How should people be with each other? Mm. So the fact that he randomly has this example of Atlantis should more speak to like as a metaphor, because Greeks loved fucking metaphors. Mm. It's like it's like reading 1984 and in 2000 years, people will be like, well, did those societies exist? Maybe, maybe mm. not. Maybe. Where is these states? You know, who knows? Yeah. In, in Critias, mm -hmm. uh, the writings even show that like the Socrates hypothetical society uh, juxtaposed with Atlantis shows that it's being used in that way. There's also the fact that um, in context, like Plato might have been warning about at the time Athens desiring to build its navy and to be more of a naval power. And Plato was sort of speaking against militarization in that way. Oh, interesting. Mm. So like, there's no, like, there's a lot of bigger context about this. I love the idea of Plato just making up this entire city being like, you know what? Ocean's bad, folks. These people, oh, don't know about them. They fell into the sea. Bad, mm -hmm. bad news. Don't, ocean's bad. Don't, bad don't folks. do that. Ocean just say bad. no to ocean. Just say no to ocean. Invest in uh, Philosopher Kings. Yeah. Ocean. Not even once. And Atlantis has also been the progenitor of a bunch of other lost ancient civilizations. I think that I should just point to the fact that Mia did a whole video on the Russian version of Atlantis, which is Tataria. The idea that there was this ancient Central Asian empire that basically ruled the world and that a lot of huge buildings are just like the tips of these like uber mega buildings that are all buried underground. <laughs> Very good video and definitely would be a good pairing with this one if you're looking for a good wine pairing with uh, with a Mia video and this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And if you want the the opposite of Atlantis, um, I think it's the movie. It's the 1995 movie Waterworld where everything is wet and there's a mythical dry land ah. that people are searching for. By the Joss way, Whedon. Waterworld had had rewrites done by Joss Whedon. I had to mention ah, that. Yep. Perfect. Oh my god, are you kidding me? So that's why the scene <laughs> nope. where the boat falls into the woman's boobs happens. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he always has to include a scene like yeah. that. Um, but there is kind of a scene like that in Waterworld. I kind of like Waterworld, but now it's ruined. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, this also gets into the fact that, as I mentioned, Atlantis plays a lot into current ideas of white supremacy. Uh, I talked about this at length in my Ancient Apocalypse video, but like ancient aliens, Atlantis is often used to dismiss non-white cultures and give them a white uh, background. A lot of current uh, people who write about Atlantis extensively in their work, including people who were on the supposedly not racist Graham Hancock's uh, documentary Ancient Apocalypse, are people who write about Atlantis specifically to dispute the out of Africa theory of humanity and to try to dispute that black and white people even are of the same species. And many who write a lot about Atlantis have white supremacist connections and in some case openly racist views. One big Atlantis writer literally says that he's a defender of white people, so... Oh. Uh, of the white Jesus. civilization Oof. and and the other thing i kind of mentioned too is that like in the greater context us being tolerant or dismissing this kind of stuff as just like harmless crankery and not really interrogating it for how dis damaging it can be is enabling a radicalization pathway to the far right in a time when we really need to be uh, not doing less of that 
my opinion. Yeah, I remember on the same vein, I remember seeing when I sort of like watch a lot of conspiracy videos like that, like a lot of those conspiracy videos are made by people who are conspiracy theorists about all sorts of things, like including, like I mentioned previously, like the international Jew and things like that. But also when even like pretty like fairly harmless, harmless in quote, quote unquote, uh, videos on YouTube about uh, like where could Atlantis be and like th- there are some places that like places and place it in 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 West Africa for example and have that be like the 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 true location of Atlantis and they find like evidence for it. Um, they oftentimes base that on on you know ruins or tool remnants of of societies that come from West African kingdoms and empires that have existed in that area and just like dismissing them as being like well that can't come from them that has to come from like something Greek adjacent because it sort of like matches over somewhat with like some some of Plato's writings instead of just having the much more obvious answer of like well it's right next to some already well-known established empires yeah it's probably just like Mm. part of that Somebody should probably mention to them the richest human being who ever lived, who, when he dropped into towns on his way to Hajj, would disrupt the entire economy by spending so much silver it would inflate the price. It would cause inflation. Jeff Bezos? Yeah, Jeff Bezos. No, um, <laughs> the richest person who ever lived in history was Mansa Musa, the the great king of Mali, who on his way to Hajj, so basically in his travel across like North Africa, spent so much silver everywhere he went that he actually like caused inflation. Speaking of Mansa Musa, I've been wanting to bring this up and like humble brag about it a little bit. Um, when I went to... I am Mansa Musa. <laughs> no, I'm not Mansa Musa. God. <laughs> Uh, when I, I went to art school like a couple of years ago, like I did and I did theater things and I had a teacher there and his his, his name is Dani Coate. He's a wonderful teacher in acting and stuff like that. And he, I don't remember what the name of it is anymore, but there's a certain type of like social class and hereditary social class in ancient Mali society. And Mansa Musa essentially had like a court poet whose son would then go on to become that court poet and then that would just like continuously go and go and go and go and my theater teacher is one of those people like because that that court poet position that tradition is still ongoing even though the empire doesn't exist anymore and even though there's no court to be in but like they still have the storytelling tradition ongoing so i have one degree of separation away from from someone whose family has been in direct connection with Musa. you're probably close you have a closer (laughs) you have fewer degrees a separation to Mansa Musa than most people. I think that would be a good way. Yeah. And now we know, Tristan and I know yep. that we have at least so, a, a little yeah, yeah. bit of, of degree. So if of, I need to ever uh, call Mansa Musa, you know who to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I need a few pounds of silver uh, for some car payments in the future. But though, uh, if you uh, care about those kinds of topics, I was about to say, you should probably go to at Probs Not Aliens on Twitter, but I literally just officially uninstalled Twitter on my app, t- on my phone today. Congratulations. Um, but uh, you should go to Probs Not Aliens on whatever replaces Twitter by the time this comes out. Find us anywhere. It is a nightmare right now of like, I don't know what to use. Blue Sky, Twitter, Threads. Um, I don't know anymore. Tumblr. I, I, I used Mastodon for like two months and I just didn't like it very yeah. much. So, yeah, I don't uh, like Blue Sky I as much, know. so I get it. But one thing Ugh. you can do is subscribe to Mia Mulder on YouTube or on Nebula. Yes. Can you tell people a little bit about what kind of stuff you do and where they should go yeah. to find it? I have no idea what the kind of stuff I do. Uh, I make uh, I make video essays and um, 
they're fun, I guess. I do topics yeah. about like trans trans issues, typically uh, sometimes a bit a, lo a little bit about history. My last video was about Star Wars, and my next video is going to be about the stock market. So I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> a wide range, a wide range yes. of of bullshit. You tap into the, your secret love of the stock market. You 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 said before that that you had been compared to being a worse version of Robert Evans. I've been mul oh, been multiple times compared to being uh, a less good version of Philosophy Tube or ContraPoints. So if you like that kind of shit, <laughs> yeah. you can watch my videos. Uh, you're good. also a podcastress. Very, yes. very Listen good. Listen to Leechfest. Yes. It's a medical history podcast, which is like th maybe the most serious thing that I actually do. Not the politician part. <laughs> Not really, honestly. <laughs> uh, like if you want to have like a serious podcast about medical history go listen to leech fest it's a good one mm -hmm. we just made yeah. uh, an episode an episode about typhoid so nice. that's fun Ooh, typhoid mary and things like that it's fun not typhoid typhoid is not fun but podcasting i was gonna look it up because i think i'm trying to remember the first youtube video i saw of yours and the one that's coming to mind and i thought it was older than this is the one that you did on what three words which is a thing that i had oh, never yeah. heard about ever and then i just clicked on it and i was like what is this about and it was v extremely interesting mm -hmm. so thank you that's yeah. i i will say that you have a way of making topics that i've never even heard about very very interesting to, to learn about i'm glad so. i'm glad you think so that was a yeah. fun video yeah it was very now fun. scott if i needed to learn about young justice and why isn't anyone just quote unquote whelmed oh where would i go that's a good video hey that's a good video it's like five years old at this point but i'll 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 let you have that one <laughs> Because I use that joke. I still use, make references to that video in my uh, current videos today. That's I make videos, everyone, on my YouTube channel, NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. Uh, I'm trying to make a whole bunch right now. Maybe it's going to be the summer of Scoob. Who knows if I get stuff out. Right now, hopefully, there should be a video of me and... Uh, my partner Emily playing through a Game Boy Color Barbie game for the new Barbie movie yes, that's yes, uh, yes. out. So, yeah, right? It was very fun. So you can watch that. Uh, Tristan, where can I... You've plugged, you've plugged your videos so much in this episode, but where can <laughs> I find you and your stuff if you want to say it again? Yeah, this is very deep in Tristan territory, so that kind of makes sense. My channel's called Step Back. I try to talk about why maybe to make the world make sense, you should understand the past. That's sort of my general shtick. If you want my, uh, right now, if you turn in, tune into nebula.tv slash Step Back or Step Back on YouTube, you'll find that, hopefully, I've made a video about... Artificial intelligence. I think the title of the video is going to be Would Karl Marx Hate AI? The answer is that oh. it's kind of complicated. <laughs> um, the answer is he's dead. He's dead. So yeah. Who knows? He has other, he has other things to worry about. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but other than that, if you want to get this episode's episode early, if you want to listen to next week's episode, you just have to go to nebula.tv slash probably not aliens and listen to that because it's going to be great. Uh, if you don't want to do that, if you want to help out the show, you can always give us reviews on all of your podcast uh, apps of choice because those really help us get more exposure and have people, you know, check out our show. Yeah. And of course, you can always 
do the best thing for any podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Put it on USB sticks and throw it at we them. We always say that. Tell them to go to probsnotaliens.com. It's the best place where you can find all the uh, all the links to where you can listen to this show. Until next time, um, thank you, Mia, for, for joining us uh, for this episode. It's very fun. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This has been great. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Oh no. Because it's underwater. Oh no, my hubris against the gods. He's... I have been struck down. <laughs>